The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you have the world, the, wor- the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it gives us life and peace and knowledge of you. And thank you for the peace that that brings. Lord, I just pray that you would empower Randall, help him to teach us clearly. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit would give us hearts to understand and ears to listen. Just be in this place, Lord. Amen. So welcome to Grace City this morning. I'm Randall, and um, I'm one of the pastors along with Billy here. And uh, we're going to be in this series, continuing this series uh, called Abide. And what we've been doing is we've been studying through the book of John from the start of the church, and now we are in John 15. And we're in this text of Scripture, John 15, 18 through 25, where Jesus is real, he is real here, and th- this is one of those scriptures where, you know, if, if you wanted to, like, pick and choose, like, okay, maybe I just skip over this scripture. Maybe I just move forward and, and move past this. This is one of those scriptures that's hard for us because um, it's easy to, to look at this and say, that's harsh. That's harsh. Jesus is talking about being hated and that his disciples are going to be hated for speaking the truth and following Jesus. That's hard. Um, And so the only way that we can live this out is if we abide, is if we abide. If if we are protected and stay in in, in Jesus and, and walk forward in boldness and confidence. See, the past couple weeks, we talked about what it looks like to abide in Jesus. And so if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and check those out. But today, this is what we have to ask. What's the response we will get if we truly follow Jesus? If we live out what this says, what's going to happen? Well, our message for today is a misunderstood life. A misunderstood life. Now, misunderstandings happen all the time. They happen all the time. Um, When I first came to San Diego, I came on a trip out. It was me and my wife, and we were uh, meeting up with a couple of friends. Now, these friends had planted churches, and we were meeting with them, and they were saying, hey, maybe there's a possibility that God is calling you guys out here to to plant a church as well. So it was my friend Chris and Brandon, their wives. And I remember the night we all went out, we went to a Thai place. Now, I haven't been to many Thai places before, and so uh, I remember them inviting us out and saying, hey, we're going to go to this Thai restaurant downtown. It's great. And me and my wife were like, okay, let's, let's do it. 
let's go. So we ended up going to this, this Thai restaurant. And I'm sitting there, and I've got the menu in front of me. And I'm looking through, and I'm saying, okay, never done Thai food before. What's safe? You know, what's safe? And so I saw fried rice on there. I said, that sounds doable to me. I like fried rice. And uh, they said, okay, like, what, what level of hotness would you like this fried rice to be? I said, well, what's the scale? She says, well, one to ten. I said, well, let me, let me go with a one. I'm just going to be really safe, really cautious on this one. I'm going to go with a one. So waiting there for food, have a great chat, talking, and uh, she brings out the fried rice, and I take the first bite. I said, either I'm a huge wimp or that's not a one. <laughs> that is not a one. What happened in the kitchen? Not a one. And so I'm, I'm with my friends, and they're like having a great time eating their food, and, and I'm like trying to take a bite, just taking in these bites, looking over at my wife, starting to sweat a little bit, just thinking, okay, is, is this what I, what I ordered? And going through my mind, you know, at that point, it's like it's easy to just kind of keep moving forward because I'm thinking, okay, if I say something, my friends here are probably going to be like, oh, goodness, he's just a whiner. He's just a complainer. Really? He's going to send his food back to the kitchen? So, like, all these things are going on in my head. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to man up, and I'm going to eat this thing. <laughs> and so I ate about half of it, and I put the rest in a to-go box. And they asked me how it was. And I was like, guys, I got to confess. Like, this is probably the hottest fried rice I've ever eaten in my life. And then I looked at the ticket, and instead of putting a 1, she put a 10. I ate a 10 fried rice that day. Huge misunderstanding. <laughs> Huge misunderstanding. And uh, what happens in the Christian life is this. If you are not ready, you are going to walk into the Christian life like it's a 1. Oh, this is easy. This is, I can handle this. But if you're really living this out, what you're going to get is a 10. This is hard. That's why today's text is so important. That's why we go through all of this and, and we say, okay, we're not going to skip over this passage. Because Jesus here says, when you become a Christian, this is going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done. See, when I, when I first became a Christian... I found myself being misunderstood all the time because of my faith, my faith in Jesus. And what really hurt was at times it was by people that were close to me, family, friends, didn't understand my faith in Jesus. See, let's be real. I mean, it, it hurts. In, in 2014, a Psychology Today article called Being Misunderstood is Painful. Here's what Cami Osman writes. She says, uh, one of the hardest burdens to bear is being misunderstood by other people. All of us at one point or another experience looking into the eyes of another person and realizing that he or she simply does not see uh, the way we see ourselves or, and probably never will. 
How you respond to being misunderstood will be the difference between spending a good deal of time trying to correct other people's misperceptions or being free to carry on with your life no matter what others think of you. Now, I think there's some truth in that. Right? There is some truth in that. Because in today's text, Jesus, again, is just transparent. He says, okay, when you become a Christian, this is going to be hard. And he tells us to be prepared to be misunderstood. Historically, Jesus himself lived a misunderstood life. And so anyone who chooses to follow him must prepare for this type of life as well. And this is troubling for many of us, isn't it? I mean, that's hard for us. Oswald Chambers once said, Jesus Christ can afford to be misunderstood. We cannot. Our weakness lies in always wanting to vindicate ourselves. Isn't that true? Many of us want to vindicate ourselves and say, like, don't you understand? For people to look at us and say, ah, you're right. But if you truly follow Jesus, what we find is that when you abide, there's likely going to be moments where there's going to be misunderstandings. There will be. That's why Jesus uh, gives us verses like this in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would love or save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The two words that stick out in that, deny himself. It's denying ourselves. That's something that's, that's really difficult to do. But the way of Jesus is not fighting to be understood all the time. It's laying down our lives before Jesus and saying, you're able to help me face life even when there's hard, difficult things that go on. And so how does this concept work, to, work itself out in our lives? Our text today is John 15, 18 through 25. And on this verse, commentator D.A. Carson says, these verses demand decision because the issues are of ultimate importance. Following Jesus costs something, and it may cost life itself. To warn prospective disciples of these unyielding realities serves to discourage spurious decisions and to foster true ones. To foster true decisions of whether or not I want to follow Jesus. So what are the traits of a life that truly abides in Jesus and is changed by Jesus even through the difficulties? Well, there are three that we can find in this text, and um, I'll give you all three up front. Here's what it is. There will be a reaction. There'll be a reason. There'll be redemption. Reaction, reason, redemption. And so the first one, reaction. Uh, Look at verses 18 through 19. Here's what Jesus says. If the world hates you. So he says there's the potential, right? There's the possibility. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So 
Jesus says there's a scenario that's a possibility if you're a follower of Jesus, that people might hate you, dislike you, not want to be around you. And so Jesus makes the reason and the reaction, I guess, uh, very clear. He says, there are those of the world and those not of the world. So Jesus says, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus here needs us to understand something. That he called us out to be different. He called us out to be set apart. He called us out and said, I chose you. I chose you for something different. And in that, Jesus promises that there will be a reaction for you and me living out the Christian life. Why? Because it's not normal. It's not normal. It goes against the flow of the natural world. It, it won't make sense. And so Jesus tells his disciples, like, I, I chose you. Like, I'm in charge. I will guide you. And, and, and what this is, is this, this type of living, this type of idea is confounding to the world. You'll get statements like, hold on, God told you to do What? God's leading your life? Jesus, he calls the shots in your life? That's a little strange. And what it is to the world is it, it's, it's offensive. It's offensive. See, we live in a world that says, no, God doesn't call the shots in my life. I call the shots. Isn't that the world that we live in? Not too long ago, I watched a movie called Hacksaw Ridge, and it's a, it's a Mel Gibson film he directed. It uh, came out in 2016, and it's based off of a true story of this guy, Desmond Doss. Uh, he's played by Andrew Garfield, uh, did a fantastic job in it. Um, and Desmond Doss uh, went into the military to become a medic, but there was some specific things that he said, okay, I, I feel like God is calling me to make a decision on. And one of those was, he says, I'm going to go into battle without a gun. I, I can't carry a weapon. And what happens throughout the film is that he is abused, made fun of, torn down in every way because he would not carry a weapon into war. They made him feel terrible. They said, well, how can we go into war with you if you won't even protect us? But there's this scene in the movie because he, he gets through and he goes to Okinawa. No weapon. Out on the field. And so for the Battle of Okinawa, he goes out there with these men who say, we don't trust you. It's just carnage everywhere. And at the end of the day, as all of the soldiers that he went out there with retreated for the day, he heard that still small voice tell him to turn around and go back. As everyone left, 
he went back out onto the battlefield because he heard the screams and the cries of his friends. Those who tormented him, those who tore him down, he went back out for them. And he said very clearly, God told me to, to go out there and get them. Without firing a shot, God used him to save 75 men in that battle. He said, I didn't come to take life. I came to heal. I came to heal. See, doesn't that sound like somebody else, Jesus? Hated, yet goes out there and follows God. See, what, what happened was as they saw these men being rescued, they said, he follows a higher power. He follows something more. And so those same men that hated him, the next day asked him to pray for him. Before they went out, he said, will you pray for us? We're not going to go till Desmond prays for us. See, there's always a reaction when Jesus calls the shots in your life. There always is. And so, secondly, I mean, what, what's behind it? What, what's behind this reaction? Well, the reason is in verse 20. And so that's the second thing, the reason. Why? Jesus says this, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Let's get specific now about some reasons why Jesus gets the reaction he does. First, Jesus refers to himself as master. Master. We see throughout the scriptures as, as the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hear Jesus teaching, and he, he says, I'm not who you think I am. I'm God. They lose it. So Jesus says, I'm master. But he also says, I'm not only master, but you keep my word. So his word, he's master and he has a word that we're called to follow. And so what was it that, again, got the religious leaders of Jesus' day riled up? Jesus claiming to be God, Jesus claiming that he had authority in a word that they had to follow? About this verse, um, and really just commenting on the, the history of this, uh, Timothy Keller writes this. He says, Jesus' teaching was authoritative. In the synagogues, a man would get up to speak, and when he would sit down at the end of the speech, the elders would decide whether or not what he said was true. And they would say what? Amen, amen, which means it is true. When Jesus would begin his speeches, very often in the Gospels, he would start by saying, amen, amen. You ever seen where Jesus says, truly, truly? This is why. It was, it was an absolutely astonishing claim. He was saying, I take away your right to judge whether what I say is right. I am God himself. I am the son of God. And therefore, what I have to say is truth from outside the world. 
There's worldly wisdom, and then there's God's wisdom. And Jesus is saying, I'm taking away the right to judge this because it is truth beyond truth. Aren't these the main reasons why people have a hard time with Christianity? (laughs) Jesus doesn't tell us he's one of many ways. Instead, he boldly makes statements like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's bold. Jesus claims exclusive truth, and he says he's the only way. Historian Frank Mead once said, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. If you read this book long enough, you will find that it will contradict you in here. The the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, right? It's not just another book. It's God's word. And as Christians, Jesus gives us a standard for truth. He says, this is the truth. And for that, many will push Jesus aside and say, no, I don't believe that. But for those who abide, for those who say, okay, I I don't know how this works out, but let me ask some questions. Let Let me work through this. God, teach me. Let me just stay in you, abide in you, believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. If I stay there, what will happen? What it will lead to is redemption. Redemption. Look at verses 24 through 25. He said, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So what's the redemption in all of this? What's the redemption in this text? Jesus says, there are things that I've done that no one else has done. And Jesus says, they hated me without a cause. The only way that you can continue and walk boldly in Jesus is knowing that Jesus understands and is with you and has done it first. You put your faith, I put my faith in what Jesus has done, not in what I do. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. See, all of this comes back to Jesus. Ultimately, why did the teachers of the law hate Jesus? Because of their sin. Their sin. Why do we reject Jesus? Because of our sin. See, Jesus, I don't want that. I don't need that. We try to push him aside. See, I've heard this said before, and I believe it. The closer you get to Jesus the more your sin will be exposed, right? 
I mean, the closer we see, like, who he is and what he's done and all these things, like, we, 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 we truly see that, again, like one pastor said, we are more sinful than we ever dared believe. The Pharisees, I mean, these were people who studied God's word, yet they were standing face to face with the Son of God, and they ended up putting him on the cross. Right, like you could study this and you can be in the word, but let's just be honest, our, our hearts fight against it, don't we? And so it exposes us. But the redemption is that Jesus came from heaven to earth to be misunderstood, mocked, beaten, and put on a cross because of sin. Our sin. And so the only true and good sinless person was hated without cause. When you see that, you got to think, okay, if Jesus went through that for me to be misunderstood like that, what are the small misunderstandings that come up where I'm like, uh, people don't like me, you know? It, it's small in comparison when I see what Jesus has gone through for me, what Jesus has done for me. That's it. See, do you want to know the condition of our hearts? This is it. We've rejected him. We've pushed him aside. Yet, God came and loved us. The only way that our hearts can be redeemed and transformed is through a Savior who is completely misunderstood. And here is how Isaiah described it in 700 years earlier in Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That's how Isaiah, 700 years earlier, describes Jesus' life. And so we have to know that even as Jesus walked this earth, rose from the dead, that there'll be redemption on the other end as we face difficulties too. There's always the hope of resurrection because of Jesus. So, just some takeaways. How do we navigate being misunderstood? Uh, the first one is this. In Jesus, expect it. Expect to be misunderstood, right? Like, that's the biggest thing for us as Christians. We go into things and we don't expect it. Oh, this is hard. Oh, this is difficult, right? Like, 
man, I didn't really sign up for this. That's where we get to, isn't it, in the Christian life? We don't, we don't expect it, and so we're caught off guard. But just expect that there will be times where you're misunderstood, where people look at you and say, you're a Christian? What's that about? Why do you spend time at church on Sundays? Why do you go to the city group thing? Why are you serving? What, why are you giving? Why are you doing all this stuff? Like, you just got to know that's coming, right? Like, it's a part of it. Uh, Bob Goff said this. I think this is really helpful. He says, loving people the way Jesus did means a life of being constantly misunderstood. Just not going to make sense. Not going to get it. But it's a part of it. And so that's the first one. It's like, don't get caught off guard. Just expect there will be times where you're misunderstood. Second is, in being misunderstood, remember there is one who understands. There's one who understands. See, the uniqueness of Christianity is that we have a God who understands. You look at every other re- world religion. There are no other world religions that say there's a the God, God became a man and was beaten up like this and suffered misunderstandings and trials like this. No other world religion, nothing compares to the Christian message. And so what you have to take from that is if God has been through that, if God has gone that far to be with me and love me, then you have to know that he is a God who also can identify with your weakness, can identify with your difficulties. That's why I love the book of Psalms. I'm I'm studying through that right now, and I'm just like, wow, like how... God is consistently there and and understands us through our difficulties, through our trials. And I know that he cares, right? That's the beauty of it, that we have a God who cares. The third takeaway is this. In being misunderstood, remember that God shapes you. God shapes you. So think about this. Who is misunderstood more than anyone? It's the Sunday school answer, Jesus, right? Jesus. Who is misunderstood more than anyone? Jesus. How will you be shaped into the likeness of Jesus? By being like Jesus and being misunderstood, right? I mean, that, that's the hard part for us, but that it's, it's, it's true. And so as you walk this journey of life, Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't say, you can do it. He says, you need to abide in me to do it. You need to rest in me to keep moving forward. That's it, right? It's facing difficulties, facing challenges, being shaped by God through the promise or through the the difficulties and knowing that the promise is he will make you more like the son. He'll make you more like the son. Edmund Clowney once said, he says, the work of spirituality is to recognize where we are, the particular circumstances of our lives, to recognize grace and say, do you suppose God wants to be with me in a way that does not involve changing my spouse or getting rid of my spouse or my kids, but in changing me and doing something in my life that maybe I could never experience without the pain or this pain and this suffering? Right? Like God 
wants to take out. And some of us, there's a spiritual cancer. There's a spiritual cancer. And so we go through misunderstanding, we go through difficulties so he can do surgery. Right? And here's the last takeaway. In being misunderstood, remember there's always hope. There's always hope. John 16, 33 says this. I have said these things to you, Jesus, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Jesus says he's overcome the world. And so that's why we take heart. That's why we take heart. One of the hardest things I ever had to go through was a few years ago when my grandmother was deteriorating from dementia. And we flew out. Me and my son, uh, at the time he was just like two. But me and him went out to Hawaii. And I remember uh, meeting up with my grandmother at this point. She, um, she was really far along in the stages of um, dementia. And one of the things that she loses is her memory. And so I remember I was with my grandmother, and we were going up the elevator, and I just remember kissing my grandmother and kissing her and trying to hug her and kissing her and kissing her. And she looked at me, and she said, stop. Stop. I don't know who you are, and I don't think this is right. And I tried to look at her and say, Grandma, it's me, it's Randall, it's your first grandson. And she didn't recognize who I was. See, she misunderstood what was happening in that moment. And here's the gospel. That through the misunderstandings of us continually rejecting God, And him just like hugging us and kissing, like, I'm here, I love you, I care for you. Through the heartache, there's one who never gives up. And he shakes us, he says, look at me. I'm here. Recognize who I am. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the son of God. It's Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. And so I just want you to know that today, the only way that you can abide in the difficulties and the moments where things are tough and you're completely misunderstood is knowing that Jesus was misunderstood on your behalf for you, and that's the gospel today. Let that sink in your heart. Let it change you. It'll make you a new person. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for hugging us and kissing us when we, we didn't deserve it. We didn't even know who you were. And so there today, there, there's, there's somebody in here, I believe it, that maybe needs to receive that for the first time. 
And I pray, God, that the gospel is good news this morning to our hearts for those of us who believe and for those of us who are yet, who yet to believe. I pray that they see you, God. They recognize you. They know who you are because your spirit's working. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.